Gaming and BS episode 269 being recorded Monday, November 25th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I am Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Sean, we had a slight break there and we're back. A whole whopping week. Yeah, I know. I it went, went by the, very quickly. It did. I went to the deep north woods of Upper Michigan, lost myself in a frozen cedar swamp. Didn't kill anything, but it was still a damn good time. Well, it's good that you found yourself. I did. At one point, I was about three and a half miles from the nearest road. Looked at my phone and went, wow. I have, like, no coverage here. This is where I'm eating lunch. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> what if somebody needs to get a hold of you? Fuck that. <laughs> uh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, I've heard of, uh, I know a couple of people uh, through different channels that they take, like, three days out of the year. I think Gates did it, too, Bill Gates. And they just. They, totally unplug. Yeah, they go off to a cabin somewhere. And they. they <clears throat> Don't take their phone. They bring a bunch of books, notepads, pens, and then they just figure out what they're going to do, where they are, where they want to go, what do they want to do for the year. And That's cool. Me, it's Yeah, it sounds very like, I think I could do that. Yeah. Some cottage somewhere, fucking north somewhere. and you're <clears> That's like, nice. Yeah. Kelly, four days, whatever. What are you doing? Drinking well, beer, looking at the woods. Got to go. Grab some food, come back, scribble down some ideas. <laughs> Never go back. <laughs> right. Never go back. Or you get to the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy section, and then you start red rumming everybody. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So red we're rum. back. So that's all good. Right. <sighs> Let's see. Oh, yes. Evercon.org. Evercon. That's coming up. That shit's coming in January. So I've talked about this before. Number of BSers are running games, doing some cool stuff for us. If you're into Warhammer 40K, we got a tournament my buddy Nick is looking to run called Kraken Eds. That should be pretty cool. Um, we've got D&D Adventures League. This is the first time we're having kind of a larger thrust of Adventures League at the show. Last year and the year before, we had a couple of guys trying to kind of get into it. In the central Wisconsin area, Adventures League is not huge. It's starting to get a better, a bigger and better following. So we're hoping that'll help drive some folks in. And one of the things we're working with that crew is we're going to have a ton of people come in and say, I don't know how to play 5e. Can I try this? Whatever. To be as open and welcoming. And quite frankly, everybody I've met who runs Adventures League um, at cons, all the ones I've met anyway, have always been like, oh, absolutely. Here, go try this. Do this. Whatever. My two boys, AJ and Connor, at GameholeCon did that there just to kind of get their feet wet and eventually can try it out. They had a good time. So anyway, hoping that'll be fun. Evercon.org. Check it out. I think we got almost 200 events, if not more. Keeps growing every day. So that'll be cool. Um, other thing I wanted to talk about was the Avalon Stretch goal from our, my Kickstarter, the Master Archivist Collection. If you're a backer at the correct level, you have already received the PDF, no doubt. The print-on-demand copy, um, the Encoded Designs crew, we had a couple different forays back and forth. It goes to drive through. They send back proofs and whatnot, and our boys look it over, and Tim and a few other folks said, eh, we could fix this layout thing. Oh, well, that didn't print right, and uh, that's one of the reasons why you always do proofs. So we like what we see so far, waiting on the last batch of proofs, and then uh, as Mr. Vecchione's latest update to the crew, um, and I should say to all the backers, 
We should have coupons ready shortly, I hope. So anyway, that's coming. Sean, any announcements on your side? There's a convention in Madison in December, but I or uh, January, but I can't. January, remember. really? Yeah, it's the Longs. Beth and Chris, huh? Um, are having it in I, <sighs> January fourth weekend? I think January fourth weekend. Is that? It's not the same as Evercon, is it? I don't think so. I'm going to find out in a second here. Oh, it's driving me crazy, and I can't find it because I'm sure their SEO is not up to. Well, mine is January 10, 11, and 12. So yeah. they have it before that. You hit two cons in Wisconsin in January. Hell yeah. Of course that's what you do. I've had people tell me, why the hell would you run a gaming con in central Wisconsin? It's bitter cold in January. What the hell? I always look those people square in the eye and say, it's gaming, man. It's an indoor sedentary event. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, 800 to 1,000 gamers show up and go, oh, I found a warm building. I don't have to leave. and I can play games all day and there's food here. I'll sit. <laughs> <laughs> We're gamers. It's it's totally fine. It's totally fine. All right. Anything else, man? Are we good? Moving on? We are good. Okay. I'll have to find it, and I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But Yeah, anyways. dig it up. We can always throw it in random encounter if you find it while we're chatting through the rest of this. Right. right. All right. Let's do, or I should say in die roll, because random encounter is next. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're rusty. All right. Random Encounter, this segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media, and our forums. You ready? You can start. All right. Email from DM Kojo on what he wants to see in a game. Okay. Greetings, BSers. Really enjoyed the topic about what you are looking for in new RPGs. As always, your conversations got me thinking philosophically about my own feelings on the matter. Through some of self-evaluation, I came up with these statements about me as a gamer. Number one, I hate being a player, especially <laughs> if character creation takes more than 10 minutes. As GM, I don't have much more patience for it than that either. If character creation requires a session zero, then that game is sliding down my list. I do play a lot of Fantasy Flight Star Wars, and that is definitely not a simple character creation process, but this is the rare exception for me. I think yes, it's that's exceptions. Yeah, I think saying. everybody, I think every gamer's got an exception. I think we do. I I tend to like games that play really fast, but I still love my Middle Earth role playing, my Iron Crown game, which is Rollmaster. <laughs> so that one don't play fast, ladies and gents, but it has a nostalgia candle for me. And I'll tell you this. Makes sense. We talked about this, right? Look at what you like and think about it. You know. It's anyway, about, keep going. All about preferences, mm -hmm. ladies and gents. Absolutely. Two. Number two. I need it to be rules light. DCC, Old School Essentials, Star Frontiers, Classic Traveler, and 1E Gamma World are some of the games that I prefer to play. Makes sense. I could see a game like even um, Dungeon World and some of those. That may not necessarily be mechanically what Kojo's looking for, but that's a rules lighty type thing. Not bad. Even some of the gumshoe stuff, you know, pretty light. Yeah. Number three, I'm okay with some interesting dice and dice mechanics, but other props start ramp up my frustration. Oh, I see, I see. FFG Star Wars is a mixed bag for me. Although I despise the character creation process, I absolutely love the narrative dice mechanic from a gameplay perspective. 
However, for me, Savage Worlds is anything but fast, furious, and fun because of too many fiddly bits such as poker chips, playing cards, and rules that favor miniature play. Eh. Yeah, and this was a piece when we talked to um, uh, Christian and Ron about this. Some of that stuff is, you know, it's all preferences, as you just said. And it's a thing like, look, I am not keen on that. And I think what we're looking at here is we say, hey, Kojo says the Star Wars thing. It's a mixed bag. I don't like this piece, but I like this other piece. Sometimes we're going to have to have some give and take here, right? Uh, my buddy Lenny loves the Pathfinder style feet progression and noodly bits and so forth. He loves that crunchy, crunch, crunch, crunch. But he does like D&D, and he does like D&D 5. So he finds his crunch in other ways, you know. Like, hey, can we use the feats options? Hey, can we do this? And we make sure we use miniatures for him. And, you know, a couple other guys at the table really like that stuff. It's a mix. It can be a mixed bag, and that's okay. Carry on. Number four. Finally, I need it to be theater of the mind as its primary focus. That is what I like to play. The extent of my use of minis ends with Battletech. If a rule set wants to add rules for minis in an appendix, that is great. But when the minis are a core element of the game, it's not for me. Hey, okay. it's it's worth that. Actually, kept me away from three O and so on for a very long time. That being said, perhaps I should stop looking because I seem to have found what I am looking for already in DCC, OSE, and the games of my youth. Well, that is, that may be true, Kojo, but. You wouldn't have found Star Wars FFG there, Haas. Well, true. Finish up the rest of that there, man. But it was still a fun exercise to run through, and who am I kidding? I'm still going to keep buying new games. <laughs> Cheers, Kojo. It's uh See, this is the thing though. I just want to say it's a I very know, rare for it's a rare form of bibliophilia yes. is game collecting. This is this is what I'm going to preach. Mm-hmm. Open mindedness. Free your mind. There is no spoon. That's right. Just free your mind. It's okay to have preferences. Absolutely. It's okay to be like, hey, I don't really care for games with miniatures. I don't care for games with cards or fiddly dice or whatever. That's okay. But flat refusal? But flat refusal just, I don't think, is productive. I have said this before. I will try just about any game. And that's fine. You don't even have to try a game. I don't really don't care. Like, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. don't try it. That's okay. But I think the problem with some folks is it's a hard and fast no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, look, I will play X and never Y. Well, and then only this playing. or never It's like, that. I, th- you know, they, what happens is in, when you start getting into the very, I don't like, well, it's fine if you don't like it because that's an opinion. But when you start saying like, I would never play X or Y, which may be true. But I start thinking when you start getting into that road of very. Um, well, it's very black and white. It's very, very like, black and white. Yes. It's us. It's it, it can be black and white can turn into us against them or yes. me against everybody else. Exactly. It, it's a very diametrically opposed viewpoint. Very much so. And that is okay because I think that's the kind of the spice of life. But I also think that that black and white, you know, on and off just doesn't apply to a lot of stuff. 
in gaming. Well, especially the cool things with gaming here. I mean, Kojo talks about it, right? He likes the FFG Star Wars stuff. Right. He likes it. He likes a piece of it enough that he's willing to play it and quote unquote suffer through Brett's words, the character creation process. But if he would have came, Kojo, you're the guinea pig. But if he would have came down and said, I don't like any game that has any weird dice other than the the standard, what is it, six? Six, yes. That's it. Like, I don't want to play any other game. He wouldn't be playing DCC. No, no, he wouldn't would not. be playing at FFG. Nope. Right? So it's those kind of things that we think about when we approach games. And most importantly, there are other folks that love that stuff. So somebody that may just say, that's terrible, even though that may be their opinion, may come across in a way that's like very too too strong. Yeah, you and I have done this now for five years, right? I am not, I played um, Dungeon World. I am not a fan of the game system. Right. I know a shit ton of really cool people who are friends of mine who love that game and play the hell out of it. Awesome. I'm not a Powered by the Apocalypse guy, generally speaking. I have my reasons. It really doesn't matter, though. Other people really, really love it. I know enough about it that I can kind of speak quasi-intelligently to how it operates, and I totally dig that other people enjoy it. And I think that's a, a key piece of our hobby is you'll see these people like, oh, I really love this thing. You know, I, I think in, uh, in D&D, gnomes are superfluous. Whatever. I know other people are like, oh, gnomes are my favorite race. How can you say that? I'm like, dude, that's cool. It's you. It's just, it's not my bag. And um, I know it's very, can seem wishy-washy or like where it depends on the fence all the time. But <laughs> huh? some of this shit does because it, it really does. And I think one of the cool things to your point about being open-minded is that's how a guy like me tries... DCC for the first time. Yeah. Or Kojo picks up FFG. Or you try Savage Worlds for the first time. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Because we're like, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. And go, wow, that was meh. Right. Or wow, that blew my mind. You know, right. in the worst way possible. Or yeah. wow, that was great. You know. <sighs> right. Yes. And so, or if you do have those opinions and you're just talking amongst your own group and you're slamming the crap, like if I was talking to Jeff, I, you know, it's a different, again, different conversation, different environment. Yes. Oh, right? absolutely. Yep. But I wouldn't go online and I wouldn't want to spew. Or just, or, or bash some, but bashing a thing that, you know, people love. Right. That's not like. People get boners off of that. Should, should All they, they say boners? Oh well, <laughs> we I did. Say boners. No people. People get that. <laughs> people get that wildly inappropriate about shit like that. Yeah, it's not. It's not like out boners. Probably edit that. Edit out the boners. <laughs> but it's kind. It's not like saying, like I'm bashing on Nazis. Nazis are bad, right? Right. Bashing on that online, that, that Nazis are bad. We all agree. If on the other hand, you, you take the same level of vitriol and throw it at. D&D, really? I've seen that on Twitter yeah. and other places. People like just hammer a thing. I'm like, what? Really? Oh, my God, people. Yeah. Anyway, Anyways. enough of that. Yeah. Let's move Thanks, on. Thanks, Kojo, for writing in. Thanks, man. All right, we got a voicemail from Chris Shorb. You're going to love this one, Brett. Oh, good. Here it comes. Sean, it's Chris Shorb. Sean, I'm addressing this specifically to you because in the most recent episode, you basically said the golden rule of RPG gaming. 
we didn't maybe we won't call it Kelly's golden rule, but it's definitely the golden rule of RPG gaming, uh, GMing, which is give the players what they want. Now, that is part of that is setting expectations of what you're willing to give. And there's been books and books and books about, well, like, you know, Robin's laws of like, okay, what kind of players do you have? So you got to give those players what they want. But Sean, you boiled it down to basically give the players what you want, what they want, (laughs) give the players what you want. I guess that's a different rule, uh, but give the players what they want and you will have a successful game because your players will have had fun. John, you know, you're not all, you don't always drop diamonds out of your mouth, but I feel like in the most recent episode, you did it, buddy. Nice job. As always, great show. Keep it up. Take care, guys. Bye. So this is me from this day forward, you know, it's Kelly's Law. Check is in the mail, Chris Shorb. I think, I think we have, uh, Chris has introduced Kelly's Law as well as Brett's Law, which is give them what you want. <laughs> diametrically opposed approaches. Yeah. <laughs> Brett gives them what Brett wants. <laughs> no, I think which is which is all the more funny because of the uh, the standard train conductor joke we always have about you. But I think it, that that's very it's smart. It's wise, man. It's you know my job is not rocket science. I don't think gaming. Is overly rocket science. RPG gaming, I don't think, is overly rocket science when it comes down and you boil it down to just that. It's a it's a social gathering. Oh, we can make this shit as hard as we want to. Or you can make it as hard as you <clears throat> want to. Of or course. we can make it simpler. Or or you can make it simpler or easier or whatever. It's mm-hmm, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for uh the kind words, Mr. Shorb, as what? always. Bunch of crap is what that was. <laughs> see how see how Brett rolls. You should hear him talk about gaming when he's not on the mic. Oh, oh, man. no, he doesn't. All right, right, what man. do we got next here? <clears throat> Long one, I think. Ray Otis elaborates on RPG format. As after all, this was his topic. Ray says, "I owe you all a call about this one, and we'll try to get on get on it soon." I thought you did a good job with it, at least as an introductory treatment, and you sketched out a lot of the challenges in answering this question. A lot of it depends. <laughs> it depends on your approach to running games in general and how you plan to run the specific game for which you are evaluating the book. For instance, do you normally use the book at the table? That question alone predicates a lot of what you would look for in a book format. If you plan to use it at the table, things like lay flat binding, control panel layouts, two page spreads that contain all the info in a particular encounter mechanic, for example, are going to be critical for you. Do you like to carry the book around and read out of it on an ongoing basis? Then weight and hand size will matter. Are you a visual learner and do you respond strongly to art? Then graphic design and art direction will matter a lot to you. One way or the other, some people have such a strong opinion about art that a book is almost better off not having any. It was, in some ways, an unreasonable topic for me to suggest because it's so broad and depends on so many factors. And there are no right answers. But all answers are interesting because preferences are driven by... uh, by styles. And if I hear your preferences, I can infer some things about what you like in games and how you play or run them. For the most part, I can say Viva la de France, when it, <clears throat> but when it comes to carrying a book around or shelving it, part of me wants some level of predictability. Sometimes I retreat to PDF simply because they all shelve so neatly in my iPad. 
That is, shelving them is a matter of filing them away by system or characteristics. On a physical shelf, with all the varying and crazy formats out there, just about finding a place where they can sit comfortably and can be found and, accept and accessed as needed. Anyway, thanks for taking my topic. I review my Patreon memberships quite regularly, but never question my support for Gaming and BS. You guys always produce rain or shine, current well-deserved break notwithstanding. And my week is always better with Brett and Sean in it. Dude, that was so nice of you. Thanks, Thank Ray. you, Ray. Yeah. That was very cool. Very kind words from Mr. Otis. You know, Ray, I think we tried to talk about that, and I think the biggest piece for me from a format is how do you use the book at the table? I really think... I thought about this after Sean and I talked about it in the episode got released, and you bring it up here, bring it to my mind again. I think that drives how I'm going to use the how am I going to use the book really drives the format I like. I've run a number of Avalon games now since my hardcovers come out, and I'm like, oh, the digest size, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm kind of hip. This is neat. You know, smaller press thing. This is cool. And I have found I like to have it open in my hand if I'm referencing something. I get hold into one hand because if you've gained if you've gained with me, I stand. <clears throat> so I'm I'm standing up at the table. I want to be able to hold the book in one hand easily, gesticulate wildly with my other hand as I'm doing whatever it is I do as I'm game mastering. But having it there, easily flip to red, put down, and it takes up less space at the table. Like, oh, I really like that format. I kind of grooving on that. So yeah, I think that's that's a big deal to me. So, I want pretty cool. I, I just came to me that I. Uh... Moving forward, I want to stand as well. I don't usually stand at the home game, specific, specifically at Jeff's. you doing this to mock me? Is this what we're doing? No, no. I want to stand, <clears throat> and? and I want to hold the book in my – and I want to, I want books that are kind of faux leather or leather at best. Yes. Probably a digest size or a little bit bigger, and I want the ribbons. Okay. And then I want to hold it out in front of me like I'm preaching to the players. <laughs> You a lectern or a podium in front of you? I do have one. You You've do? Seen, oh, seen, yeah, you're folding one? You have that, yeah, the one collapsible oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to, from now on, that's the way I want to roll. You need vestments of office as well. Yes. Yes. We need to go to hell in every religion, so let's see what we can do to, uh, yeah. Ladies it, and gentlemen, we are you've gathered got the, here today. <laughs> and you've got the pompadour. You could pull, I mean, you could pull that off. That's, ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Just remember what my uh, idea was for next <laughs> for next game, Volcon. Remember what it was? No, I, what? Oh, I for, we forgot to mention this. That I dressed up for... The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that haven't seen it, I'll see if I can find a picture and I'll put it in the chapter. You can just see I it. I posted one out there. I'll remind uh, It's on... Well, there's a lot of people that don't tune into Twitter or Instagram. But it was Gatsby and the Great Race, so I took my hair and I it was a little longer and I slicked it back, wore my glasses, and then I wore a white shirt, black tie. Black tie was tucked into the shirt, and then black pants, black shoes, kind of like a servant kind of nineteen twenty servant guy, I guess. But the way I was dressed, a lot of people took me as a. Have you heard the good word? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Door to door. Yeah, there they, you go. Yeah, they thought I was a, a a young Mormon gentleman. Oh, I see. Uh, I don't know about young, but they, so a couple, a couple people had mentioned like. So we need to dress as that at our booth <laughs> next year at Game Con and have pamphlets. Have you heard about gaming and BS? So I. <laughs> I oh, oh, we could do that. Well, I mentioned, you know, that I was going to run, um, 
the Book of Mormon, the RPG. Oh. And I said, are you interested? And they say, you know, no, I got a, I got a game right now. And I go, no, no, not about the game. <laughs> I so, just said, we're trying to find a way to go to So anybody that is, that is Mormon out there, we love you. Oh, so, yeah, we're just, this is. The Book of Mormon. The RPG, which will never get listed in a in a gaming convention directly. No, good grief! But people thought, "Hey, what if I had the Book of Mormon musical Call of Cthulhu the RPG?" That sounds like an old Michael Brown game, doesn't it? I mean, you doesn't all it? play Mormons? I'm just saying that. I mean, think about what Michael Brown this, has done. This with, is this with, may be the episode where if somebody writes it and be like, "I can't take you guys anymore," and then they're done. No, there's we we um, this is all in jest now. Don't get too crazy out there, everybody. No, there's a lot of different. <laughs> there's a lot of crazy shit we could do like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But anyways. <laughs> anyways. Yeah. So it was we hopefully if we're hopefully we're not offending anybody that is not in the intention of what we're saying right now. But and nobody should take anything we're saying that damn seriously. No, anyway. please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Read Charlie's. Charlie Benson emails us asking for tips for helping friends get into RPGs. So Charlie is the guy that works with my buddy Jeff. Oh, that's right. Charlie wrote back in and he says, thanks for reading my email last episode. I was not expecting that. You know, Charlie, whenever some, the only reason people listen to this show is because they want to find out. What could possibly come up? Like I don't know, the Book of Mormon, the RPG, Call of <laughs> exactly. Cthulhu game. What else could these what, yeah, do? What could to ruin our hobby? How are these guys going to come up with this week? Yeah. All right. I've only listened to a few episodes, so I apologize if you guys have already covered this question or a similar variation. I am part of a weekly gaming group that mostly plays various board games. We recently finished up playing a campaign of Descent: Journeys in the Dark, Second Edition. We are currently contemplating which game to play next. I am pushing the group to play D&D 5e. Few of the guys have played 5e, and I think it would be tons of fun. However, the guy who hosts our game night has some apprehension about playing 5th edition. On one hand, if somebody truly does not want to play a game, I shouldn't force it on them. Agreed. I don't agree. I think you should force it. <laughs> that goes against the rule, Kelly's law. We just went over that. That's all bullshit. Like, oh, hypocrite. I, anyway, totally, man. Don't practice what we preach. Hook, <laughs> yeah, heavens no. I shouldn't Care. force it on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get them down on the ground and force the game book on them. Actually, get Jeff to come with you. Play the D. Yeah. On. Yeah. There you go. On the other hand, I think he he gives. It a shot, he will absolutely enjoy it. I get so this is this is kind of what we're talking about. Like he has Yeah, how, how do we get him over the hump? How do we right, get him yeah, to on, that man. to that to this nirvana? Just play, just like we're gonna run one keep going, keep couple going, two keep sessions, going. whatever. Keep, part keep part of his apprehension revolves around the open-ended nature of D D. Wow, I can tell you for a fact that you don't have to do it that way. <laughs> keep going. I think he is afraid he will be paralyzed by the endless options that a player character has to choose from while adventuring. As he puts it, quote, I don't know what to do, end quote. He also has some fears he won't play his character, quote unquote, correctly to the detriment of the group. 
Eh, reasonable fear and uh, and forward thinking. I don't want to fuck up the game for everybody else. That's very nice. Yeah. So totally understand, right? I think many of us have been there, actually. Totally. I've told them that there is no perfect way to play the game, and it's okay if you stumble your way through a part of an adventure. Well, you know, Charlie's a little bit more forgiving than myself. Yeah, apparently. I'd be like, man, what the hell are you doing? Despite my reassurances, he still isn't quite on board. Do you have any suggestions on how to help this player get into 5e? Thanks, Charlie Benson. P.S. I've heard a rumor that Sean hates paladins. Yes, we, we've, we, it's a fact. Well, it's a rumor. Charlie, let me confirm that rumor. I hate all the paladins that Jeff plays. <laughs> it's a very specific bias. Other people? No problem. Paladins Jeff plays? Big problem. So, Charlie, I think a couple things. One, you can tell him that you can run a one-shot. You can provide pre-generated characters. Um, Sean, what is the the latest version of the D&D box set? Essentials. D&D Essentials. You can also have a very straightforward type of adventure. Yeah, if this person... If this person... Uh, linear. Yeah, very linear. You could say, look, you are hired to clean out these kobolds or goblins or an ogre chief or something and start at the door to the dungeon. You don't have to have a lot of immediate rays. You don't have to have a big extrapolation, any of that stuff. You can cut right to the heart of it, which is actually something DCC talks about a lot. Just fucking get right to the action. Just go right to the thing. The other piece is you can do pre-gens, as I said, and is this person a computer gamer? Do they play anything online? Have they played Diablo? Have they played anything like that? Say, look, if you're going to play a fighter, um, it's like the barbarian from here or this type of thing or that. If they have a movie they enjoy, you could say, you know, you could play this person. I really like Gimli the Dwarf from Lord of the Rings. You can play this character exactly like Gimli the Dwarf. Matter of fact, here's a dwarf. Name him Gimli if you want. Totally fine. And you're off and running. His name's Gimli. <clears throat> Gimli, exactly. Not Gimli. Yeah, exactly. That's a different Starts, that's a different dwarf. Ends with an E-Y. Right. Um, anyway, that would be and the other piece is that if you do it as a one shot. In the back of your pocket, you know this is a campaign if you want it to be. That's right. You know that. He yeah. doesn't have to know that right now. He doesn't now. need to know. But you play this thing, and you say, hey, was that fun? Oh. And they say, yeah. You go, that's okay, because I got more. I got a better idea. Yeah, what's that? When you end the adventure, wherever it is, mm-hmm. like like the adventure scenario, four hour, two hour, you got to make sure you stop on a cliffhanger. Oh, that's all. Yeah, people will. Oh, just no denouement. Oh, no and ending. That's the end of the game. Thanks for coming today. Hope you had oh, a good time. What, but what about the right? Yeah. Oh well, I can do more if you want. Well, you know, maybe next time. The other thing that I would suggest is have this person play a simple character. I would not have them play a warlock, a cleric, a spellcaster of any kind. No. Right out. Even a. Barbarian can be tricky in 5e because of rage and so can I do this? Can I do that? Hell, there's enough trickiness in and around, but you go and get your simplest classes, the things you know are really simple. A fighter, I punch stuff in the face. I take damage and I punch stuff in the face and I help the other players stay alive by do, by being the shield wall. The ranger, they're an archer. They can do that. So you can play to those tropes. If they want to be a thief, that's about as tricky as I would get for a first-time player. At least that's my experience. 
or my suggestion. If they don't mind being a fighter, they could have a really good time. And if somebody says, oh, we already have we already have someone who's a fighter, that doesn't fucking matter. You could have three fighters in a party. You could have two. You could have ten. Make them all fighters. They could all be fighters. Uh, you could do something like that. But if you give this person the opportunity to play something that they can put as much oomph into it as they want, they can pick a character. I like Aragorn. Here's a ranger. Call him Aragorn. He's a half-elf. You're off and running. Um, simple character. Easy to understand. Um, if One of the things I've started doing, and I, I should say I'm going to start doing, when I run con games, when I have my pre-generated characters, I'm going to take yellow highlighter and highlight certain things that I know are important. Because it never fails, regardless of whatever character sheet you think is standard, especially for a new player. Where, where, where's my weapons again? There's a lot of data on there. If you say everything in yellow is for fighting. Oh, cool. If you have a different highlighter in green, yellow is for fighting. Green's your health or anything. A big square box that says combat, and then yeah. everything that's in it. And I'm not. And this isn't saying the person you're looking at here is like too slow to understand it no. or it's too complicated. That's not it. What I'm saying is to give this person the best experience possible. Yeah, it keeps the distraction away a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And if they need, you know, they don't need a stack of dice in front of them. They need maybe two twenties. And the dice for their damage, and that's it. Right. You know, I mean, hit point die, blah, blah, blah. They don't need a full suite of half of your collection in front of them. Minimize, minimize, minimize. Run a very simple adventure. Some of the AL stuff might be a good way to go. Hell, you could go to um, uh, Matt Colville's stream way back is how to run the game stuff. He sets up an adventure for, uh, I think it's kobolds or goblins in a lair with a trap and some other cool stuff. It's like, just get right to it. Grab any of those types of things that are very simple. There's a distinct goal and a thing to figure out and uh, tell everybody it's a one shot. But as we said, in your pocket, you got a campaign planned. I just thought of an idea. Mm -hmm. I don't have a 3D printer, but the folks that do, this would not be a bad idea for beginners uh, that you play with. Or mm -hmm. you could even do it with like a piece of paper or tag board actually is you you kind of cut out a strip a little wider right yeah you put a little placeholder for the dice like you actually cut it like cut it out placeholder for a d20 and then right next to it says roll this to hit and then next to it you put roll these for damage and then you got little placeholders now i should say i'm going to throw this out there what's really funny is I have gone to what I felt before to be extreme lengths to simplify. Yeah. And in the heat of combat, they go, what die do I roll? <laughs> right. And as long as you don't get you and the other players with this individual, do not act exasperated, actually get exasperated or go, God damn it, you dumb motherfucker. It's the D10. It's yeah, been the no. D10 all combat. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Do not do that. No. No matter how frustrated you get, and trust me, new players sometimes can be very frustrating. You go, hey, it's the D20. Remember, right. it's the D20. It's that one. It's that one. Help, help, help. Unless right. you're playing with somebody like Jeff and you have the rapport. Oh, that's a different problem. Then, that. You, then you throw a die at <laughs> his head and, and pour beer on him. That's right. Because <laughs> Jeff's been playing for a long time and he still doesn't know what to roll. No, he's, he's our. True. Yeah. True. 
Anyways. I mean, I would do that to Lenny or Nick, one of the guys at my table. But God damn it, pick up the fucking – it's a fucking percentile system. What is wrong with you? Right. This this dude, I'm assuming, he's new. Apprehension. Don't don't treat him like we treat no. our friends. No. But honestly, in the heat of combat, and when they don't know what to do, say – we've talked about this on, on the show a couple different times, Charlie. So obviously you haven't heard this and it's buried somewhere in there. But when like, hey, it's your turn. If I were you – I would do one of these two things or one of these three things. It's a a new player. My experience has been giving them options that are good, reasonable options gets them thinking. Even if you say, hey, you could either attack them, stay here and attack them or help your friends leave. Oh, oh, those are good. Can I do both? Will you be at disadvantage on this or he'll have advantage on blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You're getting this person thinking. You're getting them over that. I don't know what to do. There's too many open-ended. You can narrow it down by providing very specific examples of what is acceptable to do, acceptable in quotes. We give them ideas, and then they'll either pick one or they'll make up a third idea, which is totally cool. Fair, Sean? Yeah. Fair. Let us know how it goes, Charlie. And for the love of God, apparently. Don't bring Jeff to your game. If you unless tell, you're ready, unless you're ready to be Jeff. If you give us the first name <laughs> of the person, and you turn them onto this show, let us know, and we will 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 beg them to play, <laughs> and we'll talk about them on the show about how awesome it is, and it's gonna be great, <laughs> and that they have nothing to worry about. That's awesome. All right, let's get into our, our uh, main topic. Probably main topic. Good, good God. All right. What are we talking about this week, Brett? Ah, talking about operating as a team versus operating as individuals. Well, I already got this. You do? Yeah, man. Solo all the time. Always solo. individual. I don't Always. care how many players are at the table. If I'm playing, man. Always looking out for number one. And number one is me. That's right. Where's the treasure? Where's the party going? I go the opposite direction. And fuck those guys. Yeah, screw them. Hey, run into the big bad. Yep. Run away. Yeah, they're right down the street, man. They're right down the road. Yeah, this is why we don't play with Sean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's the topic for the week, ladies and, and gentlemen. Yeah, the topic is don't play with Sean. The rule of Kelly is Kelly's law is a lie, and there's no Santa Claus children. Moving on. Oh, let's all sit around and try to decide what we're going to do. Man, <clears throat> man, 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 man. I open the door. I kick open the door. Ah, I got to right. check the door. All Who's right, going to pull right. the lever? Ah, just freaking do it. So there are, as Sean is alluding to, Sorry. multiple ways to take this sucker. We haven't talked for a while. I'm, like, I've been, I know, I've it's been, been a bit. I've been like, yeah. It's all pent up. <laughs> I mean, nobody's let me out in a little while. Have you played, uh, so let's, let's go with this. I have played certain games that allow for or strongly encourage slash support non-group play. I'm talking about um, Amber. I have not played Invisible Sun, but I've read enough of it. Um, LARPs. I've LARPed a few times. A lot of individual stuff going on. Call of Cthulhu actually can promote that type of activity. I'm going to go investigate this while you go do that. You know, split the party, Scooby type of thing. Um, The White Wolf games. uh, Vampire, Werewolf, and so forth. Back in the day, and even the newer incarnations can often promote a individual approach to things. Sean, have you played anything that kind of strikes you that way? Like, would you say Star Wars or anything like that? Or 
Uh, well, yeah, sure. The ones that you've named, some of those I've played, mm-hmm. but we haven't even talked about like what is it? Is it Cthulhu Confidential? Well, Cthulhu Confidential like is one on literally one on one. Yeah, that's little. I'm talking about as. So good point. Let's step back a sec. Right. D and D traditionally is X number of adventures operating as a unit. Yes. And sometimes you have people who don't want to do that for any love or money. They will continually go off, as Sean's earlier tirade announced, and they will go do whatever the fuck they want. And they really don't want to play as a group, ever, unless forced. And some games encourage slash support that strongly. Yeah. So, again. I haven't read Over the Edge in forever, but I believe Over the Edge was similar. Anyway. That it comes down to what does that player want? What does that player want? Oh, that player wants to go off solo and do whatever they want, or they're selfish and greedy, and that's that's their player character, and they wouldn't be with a group or whatever. They're because they're the lone wolf. <clears throat> yeah, lone wolves are bad ideas generally. Which is fine to some degree but i think there's got to be a little give and take with any exactly it, it's the it, absolutely yeah. i think it's the degree right so certain games D at its core use that uh pathfinder etc even delta green is <clears throat> a cthulhu game but you're a team and you're doing stuff as a team if you do not operate as a team you get fucking shot and getting fucking shot means you're fucking dead that's, that's my delta green players point is is those games if you operate outside like i'm an individual i'm the lone wolf i run off and do my thing you die and you kill other people you can run that game you can run D and allow for people to do individual things like hey i want to go work on a side quest i want to go um court the uh, bar owner because my character is really interested in him and i really want to try to I, I, I think he's a great guy. I want to marry him, and I think this would be great, blah, blah, blah. You want to get into that. Or I'm trying to be an alchemist. I want to go study a thing. I want to develop a new spell. And some of those games are really, I think, have really good sometimes mechanics for it, or the setting really helps to enforce that. And that's where when I look at Amber or the White Wolf games or even Invisible Sun from my readings of that, um, and with LARPs even, there's enough activity that you can go off and do your thing and it doesn't disrupt the other players. It's a great opportunity as the game master to pass a spotlight around, use that smash cut technique, right? Sean, what are you doing? Well, I'm working on my alchemy stuff. Okay. Give me a couple rolls. You got to go buy this thing. You're talking to the senior alchemist. Okay, good. All right. We're going to leave you for a second. Let's go to Eileen. Eileen, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. All right. So work that, work that. Okay. Hold on a second. Let's go over here to Kim. Kim, what are you doing? Great. Back to Ben. You can hop around. So my experience has been that you can session zero this to a point. Um, but if you're, how do I do this? If you're running a game and the setting, honestly, I think the setting and the type of adventure to use that term that your characters are going to be in sometimes dictates a certain type of play. Delta Green at its core is you are a group of people going to do a thing. It is in your best interest for completion and survival to operate together. D&D in a dungeon, especially old school, you're going in there to defeat the cult of Orcus. It behooves you to behave together and to 
you know, sparingly apply, as you said, situationally, Sean, you know, you can have some individual play. I want to go do a thing or, hey, I always steal all the gems because that's my deal. You can have that interaction sometimes, but you have to be as a good player and as a good game master. I think what you want to do is help enforce the rule that that's a sometimes thing (laughs) and it shouldn't derail the entire game. Because this game, the way we're setting this, the setting is all derived around operating as a group is the most efficient way to do stuff. And if you get too individually based and run off and always want to go betray the party, you want to get into the dark side, you think Vader's cool, even though everybody else is trying to do something else, you can be disruptive to the game as a whole. And I think there's a time and a place for that. Some games are very pvp which is where a lot of individual, I mean, Amber was cl- is classic for that, even some of the White Wolf stuff, uh, very PvP. But I, I really think some of this, for me anyway, comes down to where the game is set, you know? Because if you're in a dungeon in Undermountain, or you're in um, a big city like Avalon with, like, stuff happening, you don't, you can split up. You could totally split up. There's plenty of stuff to do. And you can always do the Game Master overarching plot that drags everybody back together periodically. But uh, but otherwise, they can kind of do their own thing. Does that make sense, Sean? Which part? Any of it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it makes sense. I get, what do you... Do you have a preference for how you like to... When you're Game Mastering, let's say as you're a GM, do you like the groups to operate as a group? Or do you prefer... Kind of like that LARP you did at um, at Gamehold. You like it where people are more individually based. Well, shit, even forget about it. The way you've described that to me, people are kind of on their own. They're a group, but yet they get to do their own thing. With forget about it, they all have a little something that they know about the other yeah. players. So they have a little... That's some leverage they can yeah. throw down. They can Yeah, they can get into each other's faces about... They can totally Tarantino that thing and just shoot the fuck out of each other. And that has happened. So I guess what I'm saying is as Game Master, do you want settings, systems, and so forth that enable that type of play? Or do you find that that's just a thing you can kind of sprinkle in or shoehorn in anywhere where you may need it to give the players what they want? Well, I am open because... Well, that's just who I am, Brett. I see. Yes. But they, I, I always typically get one person. Well, there's one person that I play with that always seems to be that one loner. But they will go along with the party. But they okay. are going to be the one that pockets the thing that they find and never tell the party about it. It's probably mm-hmm. the one MacGuffin or whatever. Yeah, that's the best part is when they take the thing that everybody's looking for. Exactly. I steal that. Okay. Because screw everybody. Right. But I don't get a lot of groups that are like that. I, I want, And it's usually this one player. Is that one player then have the cojones to get angry when everybody else beats the shit out of their character and takes it from them by force? Um, they, 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 they will, <laughs> I've seen that happen. They will put up a fuss like, Hey, I don't know what you, I don't know. Hey, why's everybody getting upset? What, 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 what? Uh, but it doesn't happen very, like I said, it's usually just this one player, but most it. of the groups that I play with are the, okay, this is my little spotlight time, but I'm going to stick with the players 
you know, to the best, mm-hmm. you know, the group as a whole cohesive kind of unit. Um, very rarely do I get it to splinter. It doesn't, okay. it doesn't really happen that, I mean, split the party. I just laugh when it happens. Yeah. Just, just to keep them a little, little on edge. Oh, so, oh, wait, well, hold on a second. How many people are going that way and how many people are going the other way? Oh, split the splitting the party. Oh, okay. They just look at me. Well, so let me let me dig this a little bit deeper here, or wider as the case may be, with individual play. One of the things that like Five E has is like downtime activities. So there's stuff you can do mechanically. Like, hey, we have downtime. I want to do X. This other character wants to do Y. You have an opportunity to go and engage. Whenever in my old White Wolf games, my vampire stuff, or even when I'm running. an Avalon based campaign. What I tend to do is the players start, <clears throat> excuse me, do they know each other or they don't, whatever, and they just start doing stuff. They're doing whatever it is that their characters are doing. Something happens, thrust them into action together. They have to deal with the thing. And then there's, it ends, then there's some fallout from that thing, and then the wheels start turning around them. The world is alive, things are happening. Um, the movers within Avalon are doing different things. They're changing. They're twisting. They're trying to react to the players undoing their plans. And maybe the players don't even realize they fucked over this claim, this cult or they messed up this guild or whatever. And then something else happens. But before that other thing happens to drive all the party back together, sometimes the players will run off. I want to go check on my mom. I want to go check on this. I need to go back to the shop. I'm trying to get into this guild. I'm trying to do this thing. So... Some of that mechanically could be broken down into like a downtime die roll type of thing. But we, in that type of thing, I like to use as a role-playing opportunity. You're out, you want to go talk to somebody, you want to go dig into something, you want to find out this information. So players run off and do this stuff. What I try to do then is give them that opportunity to keep going. And so that type of thing, I think, is more helpful or useful than that individual that you talked about who always steals the MacGuffin, I shouldn't say always, but who does that thing or that type of individual play that you talked about to me feels a lot more selfish than the other kind. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Because I've had, and that's not like my groups are like, Oh, they're angels. They've never been horribly selfish. No, that's not fucking true. People People have done horrible things over the years, but at some, but I think when you, do that as you said i get this i get to pan the spotlight around like you say you know you, oh you're off doing this thing cool you're talking to the um to the guild member you're trying to get into you're doing this you're doing this and what's fun then for me as game master is to sprinkle clues and things towards the next big thing that's going to drive them together so at some point you know in vampire terms the one Vampire clan, the Venture would have a bunch of information. Like, Fuck, I gotta go talk to the Bruja. I gotta talk to the Bruja who happens to know the Tremere because I gotta talk to the Tremere. Ah, shit. I would talk to Lenny to go talk to this guy to talk to this person. And there, here's the thing. Oh, shit. And they find out, oh my God, the city's in their siege again. They all gotta get back together. So it's a lot more work <laughs> on the Game Master's part, honestly, when that happens. And I can see why I've talked to some Game Masters who fucking hate that stuff. They'd rather have that downtime type of thing resorted to a mechanical die roll for a, a downtime activity versus having to role play all those pieces and keep all those plates spinning because there's a lot of individual role playing activity that can happen. Because at one point, as I've said, 
ages back when I had like 13 vampire players, I basically was running a LARP and all this shit is just happening. People are forging unit uh, groups and they're talking and moving and all that stuff. I don't mind doing that, but I think for me, the only reason that it is successful or it tends to be successful for me anyway, is the setting. The Avalon setting allows for that type of play or very tight, cohesive group. When I run Amber, when I run White Wolf, or even Call of Cthulhu, it has, I've got more flexibility where if the players want to run off and act that way, they can do that. I can have those role-playing opportunities. It doesn't seem to break it as much as like an old school first edition D&D game where you're down in a dungeon. Like if the idea is a dungeon crawl, it doesn't, that setting doesn't fit as well to me. Does that make sense? It does. My other concern is that you're splitting time, which is okay. Half the you go that way, you two go that way, and you other two go in a different way. So you have three different scenarios going on at one time. At least, yeah. And you're splitting. You're having as a game master to split. So something that would take an hour if everybody was together. Well, now all that is sliced into three. Yeah, it could take three to four hours. Or right, or you're or you're trimming <clears throat> it up because you're trying to squash everything into an hour, but now you've got two people going off into different directions than the main quote unquote main group or main storyline or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a movie, right? It's like Star Wars. Hey, got to cut over to Dagobah because Luke Skywalker's roaming around some swamp yeah. land somewhere with this green little creature. That's why I think those those smash cuts are those like, okay, pause here. I'm going to go over here. Right. And but if they were all together, you wouldn't have to do that. You'd be like, okay, you're all on Cloud City. Yeah, but sometimes from a player's perspective, that doesn't make any sense. And well, I think if sure. you've got if you got the buy-in from the players, like, yeah, that's cool. We don't mind. We want to do it this way. Okay. Yeah, we're I gonna, think we're gonna smash cut between everybody. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go here. Let's go there. And now you're all back together, right? Good. And we're back together and running. Yeah, I think a lot of movies and TV shows would be pretty boring if you didn't have people doing kind of their own thing at some point. Yeah, if everybody ran together all the time forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's the Avengers in every scene, all together, all the time. All the time. Yes. Voltron is always in Voltron form with the sword drawn all the time. Right. It's never separated. Right. There's a threat to galaxy. That's why I'm always in Voltron form with my sword. Why would I not do this? That's right. It just seems stupid. Yeah. Ring the doorbell form Voltron. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> yeah. So balancing it out is key. Do you, I guess, do you have a preference if you're going to, or do you, I look at it at it as a setting slash setting slash the adventure I'm planning, or I'd like to, or I'd like to talk about, tell with my players. Um, do you look at it that way or do you have a preference? Like, look, I would much prefer a group that's focused on group play versus no. I don't have a preference. I think up front, if I were to run a particular campaign, what would that look like? I really wish my wife would turn off that teapot. It's a teapot. It's a teapot. You can <laughs> hear it. It's a teapot. I can hear it. Yeah. straight through this recording and I'm going to blow a head gasket. Yeah, that's all right. Still, it's still going. All right. Um, lovely. <laughs> anyway, it's like, could you be the most quietest time I need to be in the house? And it's like, let's crank up a teapot. 
This is actually, um, I'm really lucky because just before we got on the mics, even off the, off the air, yeah. my dogs were like going crazy out there. I'm like, really? Really? Now it's here when you yeah, heard it. And then right. they just shut up magically. Yeah. I think, I think my wife beat him in his admission or something. Yeah, it's, Not she didn't it's beat fine. them. But it's, anyway, carry on. Anyway, so at the campaign. Be- at campaign, at the beginning, depending on what the premise is, like, why is the group together? Why is everybody kind of know each other? Why are they going off on this particular venture? And I think it's all, so if they said, well, we're all part of, or the game master comes and says, all right, you're all part of an elite group of individuals, Delta of Green. You guys are part of Delta Green or what you think is Delta Green. Yeah, or you're in Night's Black Agents. You know, if you don't behave, the vampires will fucking eat you. Yeah, there you go. You're all, you're all on an, you're, yeah, you're uncovering the conspiracy. You're all brought together yep. because of the conspiracy. You're all investigating the mm-hmm. same exact thing and go. You know, it's the same guys in the um, all masks campaign. Why is everybody together? Because they were all brought together. Good friends of Jackson Elias. Right, right. Now, but in it, originally it was, hey, somebody's just summoned you to help them on an expedition in Peru. Then as you that you run that because you want people to get a connection with Jackson. And then the actual campaign. So when the shit happens, you know what? When you the know crap, why yeah, when it all hits the fan. They're ready to roll. You're all doing it because of Jackson Elias. But that group, that game's still going, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow night, I get to run I'm just saying, but that group is operating as a group. Are they running off doing their own thing? They, they're, you know, you get the, hey, you go and check this out. We're going to go check that out. But essentially, yeah. there's. But no, they're focused. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's no, right now, there's no reason for them to be, I mean, even after the reading of the will, there, you know, there's a part in it like, mm. hey, if your player character is not on board, Bye. Walk him off. Go get somebody else who yeah, is. <laughs> go get another player character. Because, I mean, seriously, when my last hardcore Amber uh, Amber games, White Wolf games, and even Avalon City campaign, I ran for my home group, a, very, a year-long campaign. The players make their characters. They have a plan of what they want to do. I tell them a section of the city that they're in. They come up with what they want their characters to be well within, you know, the parameters of the setting. And then I say, okay, what are your, what's your day start like? What are you doing today? What are you doing today? What are you doing today? Cool, cool. And based on what their character is, I work it, I work it, I work it, and then bam, something happens. Some, if not all of them, have to be together to deal with a thing. Oh, my God. So half or a quarter of the party met and dealt with this thing. Wow, that's crazy talk. Then the other group, wham, something else happens to them, drives them together. And pretty soon, wow, this shit's connected. Well... They, you know, synchronicity, everybody gets together. Oh, my God, what the hell's going on? And they start sorting that stuff out. But along the way, as soon as something seems sorted out or they've got some time, like, look, I need to get back because I have to check on my sick kid. I need to get back because my grandfather is one of the white griffins and I need to do this thing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so that and that's all giving them opportunity to play with their character backstory and use that stuff and actually do stuff at the game and the setting when I'm building it that way and the way the story is unfolding, I'm purposely giving them space to grow that if they want to. And I have had some players, is there anything you want to do? No, actually I really, you gonna check on your mom. No, I mean, no, this is much more important. Not checking on mom right now. Okay. You know, she'll be mad. Yep. I'll deal with it when I get back. And sometimes nobody wants to do anything. Um, and to me that, that promotion, uh, whether the system mechanically has it or, or whatnot, I can, 
I found that I and a number of other people, yourself included, you can do this. But I think it comes down to the setting and the type of story being told across a group. I mean, if you're in old school dungeon crawl, doing that is difficult. Well, I'm going to stop doing this dungeon crawl now and go check on my sick mom. You are six, <laughs> you know, six levels down. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. Type of thing. So I, I like, I like that type of play. And I also really like sometimes like the, Hey, look, you know, when I started the Delta green thing, I'm like, look, you guys are all here for a purpose and here's the deal. And off we go. And they're all part of a unit. Now they're stuck. They're doing this thing and they need to be together and they're the only people they can trust and so forth. So they need to operate as a team. Um, when I played uh, Knights Black Agents, Chris Snezak ran a um, couple sessions of that for me uh, a, couple, a few times with Tom Flanagan and um, uh, shit, Ange and a few other folks. Anyway, point being is we had you operate together. Or you get fucking eaten by a vampire. It's bad. You know, those games are fun too. Knowing that for the premise the walking in session sub zero is hey, the whole premise of this game is operate as a crew or else. You know? So I think it's pretty I, I like all of it. And I think the most dangerous way is what we joked about at the beginning. When somebody takes individual play to that asshole point, they're like, no, I steal everything. I'm gonna be a jerk. And that that's disruptive play. That's not <laughs> that's not the same thing at all in my book. So I sometimes just sit back and laugh as they bicker between each other because eventually it comes out either in play or out of play because <laughs> when somebody's being a jerk, yeah, somebody's going to call oh, yeah. them out and it'll be again in character or it'll be out of character. And I'll just sit back as a game master and well, you know, when time. I'm going to go and grab a beer. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm so where'd we leave off? Oh, you're still fighting him because uh, Tony stole the thing, huh? Yeah. Good for good for you. <laughs> yeah, cool. But yeah, all right, man. That's what I wanted. To, that's all I wanted to talk about. So, if uh, listeners out there, if you have had good experiences, bad experiences, um, let us know. If you have, it, we didn't talk heavily about mechanics because for me, the mechanics aren't as critical as, like I said, the setting or the type of tale being told at the table. Um, let us know what you think about this, though. I could be. Sean, I could be way off as usual, or we could be right on the money, or you guys may well have uh, some better and uh, deeper wisdom to share with us, and we can share with our other listeners. So let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know. Shall we move on? We shall. Die roll. All right. First one, Cole Luther. He stopped out and said hi to Brett at Gamehole Con. He's part of the Dive Cloud podcast. That's right. So shout out to Cole. Check out Dive Cloud. I believe it is actual play. Yep. D&D, very cool. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, Cole is a good good dude. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun when you stop by. Friendly, enjoyable guy. The next one, did you put that, Brett? Ah, <clears throat> oh, the next two are mine. What? So the Kickstarter for this one is over, but Arpex, full-scale dungeon. So this is our buddy Cosmo Joe, Studio 66. Cosmo Joe. He's awesome. He's a ton of fun. Um, his fiance, soon-to-be wife, is amazing as well. Yes. But Andy, uh, Cosmo Joe, as he's well-known, um, put this thing together. This is a – if you think about this is a in-person, squares-on-the-floor dungeon crawl. Um 
we took our breaks. So I wasn't able to get this uh, Kickstarter stuff out there, and I was <clears throat> traveling hunting, and I wasn't able to get this out. But anywho, I think this is pretty cool. He ran his first like big version of it. He ran a test version at GaryCon last year. I had a chance to go through it with my kids. It was a lot of fun. GameOcon, he had like the full layout, and uh, this Kickstarter went pretty well. He only needed what was he looking for? He was looking for you know. He only needed like a hundred bucks. He just wanted to get some stuff going and he made almost 18,000 and it's just, it's pretty cool. I think what he's doing is neat. This is his baby. So it's one of those cool things in this golden age of gaming that you can actually get done. So check it out. I just want to give Andy and the studio 66 guys some props because they've got a dream. And they're making it happen. It's pretty fucking cool. The other one I want to make sure I called this out is uh Clint Beatty. You know, Clint, don't you? Clint, Clint DCC guy. Come on. I believe so. Oh, yeah. You know Clint. If you saw him, you would know him. He has um, He's put, produced some stuff for DCC under Order of the Quill, and he's uh, had an asymmetrical board game, Hounded, published by Atlas Games. He's a cool dude, and he has Necromolds, Monster Battles. It's a Kickstarter out there. He wanted uh, 50 grand to get this thing going. He's already at 79 and 79,000 that is, and he's got 20 days left as of today, November 25th, 2019. Anyway, this is pretty cool. Take a look at it. It's just, it's a fun dice, literally like molds with clay and board, and it just, it looks really, really cool. It's an age of seven to up, two or more players, play times 30 to 45 minutes. He had a bunch of this stuff at... um GameholeCon, and as he was walking by, he had like his little demo kit. He stopped by, he goes, hey, Brett, how's it going? And it fell. The kit fell, hit the ground, and dice and parts went everywhere. And he locked oh, up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I remember that. And I went, I, I bent down to start picking up stuff, and I looked, and there were like, I shit you not, there were 10 gamers. Went, oh, my God. People stopped in the hall and helped Clint pick up all of his bits and pieces. Yes. And he was like, oh, my God, you guys are so nice. And one guy goes, hey, man, we're gamers. We got to pick up dice. <laughs> so every, we just scooped everything up. And he was stashing in the under our table for a little bit there. But anyway, I want to throw this out there. This is a unique idea. I think it's really, really cool. So I just want to make sure people's attention was drawn to it because Clint's a cool dude. And this is a great goddamn thing. So there you are. What do you got? So I am putting up um, the Gradient Descent. It's a module for Mothership Sci-Fi, a horror RPG. So if okay. you haven't heard of Mothership, it got an any award. Uh, I heard some good things about it. Gradient Descent. If you watch the video, the video alone's probably five hundred dollars to make. I don't know. I, these guys must be really talented, or they farmed it out. But it's it's a pretty good video to pitch their Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> just go check it out. So the Kickstarter ends December 19th, 2019. They had a goal of 500 bucks. <laughs> They're at 33,000, over 33,000. Damn. That's crazy. That's awesome. They have over 1,100 backers. Um, so if it's anything like the video they did, it, it'll be well worth it. And they don't have, like, they don't have a ton of levels. It's you know, you want a PDF? Do you want a print and PDF? I think that's kind of it. And some stretch goals. That's slick. I think the mega bundle. The mega bundle is like 55 bucks, and you get all the physical stretch goals, all the digital stretch goals, PDF copy of PDF print, 
and then you get three mothership books print PDF. Nice. but yeah i'll tell you man we say it all the time but this is just a wonderful time to be a gamer there's some super kick-ass shit out there and again some of the stuff people are like eh, uh, another kickstarter so yeah don't hey you don't want to back it don't back it if nothing else <clears throat> looking at what's being developed out there it's just neat and sometimes, man, I'll tell you, you see some of shit, and it's just goddamn inspirational is what it is. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's a that's what it's we a got. mega dungeon, is what they're touting it for Mothership. So check it out. Boom. Um. Oh, so that's it for die roll. Yeah. Uh, Eric, thanks for the kind review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, thank you very much. Very constructive and uh, positive. It was not a one star review. Oh, okay. So. Nice. Thanks, Eric. What are we talking about next week, Hot Shot? Next week, we have been asked this a couple times um, on the forums and a few about preparation for different games and so forth. And now, Sean, that you have um, – last time we talked about this is ages back in our five-year catalog. But now, after you've run you know, Great Gatsby, uh, talking about con game type of thing – we can also talk about just like Call of Cthulhu difference versus D and D versus this versus that. Just thinking about the different games we've run and we have been running or interested in doing and how much prep are we doing and is preparation or the quote unquote required amount of prep for a game a make or break type of thing. We talked a little bit about what we're looking for in games a few episodes back and uh, this might even spawn into some of that discussion too, because there's certain games with the preparation just to get ready to play it might be too much. You never know. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about. Whoa, I'm so excited, Brett. Goddamn right you are. It's going to be uh, recorded Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, get prepared. Think American Thanksgiving weekend. American Thanksgiving, yes. All right, well, that's it. Let's uh, wrap this sucker up. Sounds good, man. All right, well, you won't hear from us before Thanksgiving other than this. So for those in the Americas... The U.S. of America, America, happy Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving, folks. And frankly, everybody in the world. Yeah. Give, I give thanks to everybody. Well, I'll tell you what. If nothing else, we have we have some of the best goddamn listeners out there. We really The best. Appreciate. You guys are awesome. Uh, the men, women, the folks, the friends we have met and made and the community that you all have helped build. Because this is just Sean and I, and you folks are all the community. So thank you very much. We say this a few times a year, but Thanksgiving is very, very, very thankful for all of you. We're thankful for all of you, yes. Amen. All right. Let's get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Kevin Lovecraft, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, Aaron Raylia, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Ryan Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talvola, Hus Carl, Roger Brassett, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Eric Avila, 
Eric Avila, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Mirko Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. Where'd the button go?